0: Lightning Dogs, the official podcast presented by the Nerdish Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdish Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit NerdishShow.com. Lightning Dogs is conceived as an all ages property. But these behind-the-scenes conversations are not all ages. So listen at your own discretion, baby. Woo! Sometimes a great idea is truly like a bolt of lightning. And sometimes, if you're lucky enough, you can capture the exact moment that it strikes. Well, that's what happened for us one fateful night while recording an episode of Nerdy Show. We accidentally launched a concept that derailed the entire show and in no time, our lives. We couldn't stop talking about our favorite action figures and B-movies while twisting them into strange creatures, weird adventures, and dog puns. Lots of dog puns. This is the story of Lightning Dogs, a journey steeped in the glory of 80s and 90s animation and sci-fi, where anthropomorphic dogs tear through the wasteland of a ruined earth, battling mutants, miscreants, and the evil Glampire, coming soon to small screens, comic books, and podcasts. Or at least that's the goal. But how do you go from a crazy idea into a fully-formed world of conflict and characters? How does a harebrained discussion become an animated series? That's what we're finding out firsthand. We've recorded the entire development of Lightning Dogs since day one, from the moment of conception to every world-building session and planning meeting, and the journey is still ongoing. Tune in as we create the world of the Lightning Dogs Live! Welcome to another episode of Lightning Dogs. It was August of 2015, and for the first time ever, only two of us entered the studio. We make a point of recording every meeting for Lightning Dogs, and up to this point, it was always the three of us, Cap, Tony, and myself. Oh, this is Doug, by the way. Sometimes all of us meeting up could be a real challenge. If any of our work schedules got out of control, or something went sideways at the last minute for even one of us, then that could mean Lightning Dog's progress would stall for up to a week at a time. If a recording got cancelled, we would always work independently on new ideas to bring to the table later, but our creativity thrives when we're collaborating. That's where this series comes from, and that's where we'd like to keep it, more often than not. As it happened, Cap and I were burning to talk about Lightning Dogs, and Tony was unavailable. So in a pinch, we said, screw it. And for the first time talked Lightning Dogs as a duo. It's not something we like to make a habit of, but since we're recording everything, anyone who misses out can always catch up later. In this episode, we're taking on the evil Glampire, an immortal alien stranded on Earth who's seen humanity rise and fall. He'll stop at nothing to get off this godforsaken mutant-infested rock, even if that means lording over the freaks of the wasteland. But what exactly are Glampire's powers? How much of a vampire is he really? And what role did he play in the destruction of humanity? We're going to confront all of that. But before we let our imaginations run wild, we did have some business to attend to. Looming on the Horizon was the goal of completing both a story bible and a pitch bible for Lightning Dogs. Story bibles can be called show bibles or writer's guides, but they're all essentially the same thing. A formal document of the characters, tone, and all the key details of a fictional world to be used as reference for everything going forward. Meanwhile, the pitch bible is an extremely abbreviated version of a story bible used to sell a show concept to an investor or a studio. It's the Lightning Dogs Pitch Bible that we'll be showing to Greg Wiseman, creator of Gargoyles and co-creator of Young Justice. We'll get his take on our overall concept and some advice as to whether or not we should jump right into pitching to networks or focus on launching Lightning Dogs as a fully independent project. To make sure we had a good handle on what to include and how to structure our Bibles, Cap and I did some digging and found some inspiration in some unexpected places. I did recently acquire
1: a story Bible for Disney's Doug, an original. Now, that's a whole conversation about the Disney years of Doug and the entire Doug production process and all the things that I learned when I accidentally went down a rabbit hole of a show that I liked but now have grown to absolutely love and know way too much about. Welcome to Nerdy (laughs) Show. It's an amazing story Bible and the reason I tracked down the Doug story Bible of all things is what you might not know from being a kid watching Doug is that it had one of the most complex, detailed story Bibles or backgrounds in American animation because the town of Bluffington was so detailed. They actually had a street map of the entire thing. They knew where any character was at any given point in time, tons and tons of visual references and tons and tons of information. So we've been studying that story Bible, the story Bible for Batman, the animated series, the one that they uh, put together going into season one, which we found a digital copy of visual references for story Bibles as well. Adventure Time, they haven't really released a story Bible, though a very, very early one is Inside the Art of Ooh, which is a, a great reference for a lot of story building and character design. Great book. Batman Animated, which is a late 90s book made that uh, compiles all the work for Batman the Animated Series. Before the Warner Brothers years, before the
0: redesign. Mm-hmm. We also have all the digital collections of all the other story Bibles of like uh, Hero, Son of He-Man is one. Really, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, uh, I don't know if the show
1: ever actually existed. I'm not sure it did but I mean um, it makes as much sense as like Tabitha
0: right. spin off a of bewitched. Um yeah, we did, uh, we also got digital story bibles for Star Trek Next Generation, Star Trek Voyager, might have the original pitch for Star Trek the original series, which is interesting just uh, the one thing it's we just started talking about all these different story bibles and like how to best organize it. There's no rule. I mean, there's no standard guideline. No. All of them are so different and I it's like trying to pick and choose your favorite things between each one has been Difficult, but uh, inspiring at the same time. I do love them. I love how simple they are. We
1: actually found a story bible for Mighty Max online. Ah, uh, yes. It, it was on a forum. Someone had got, transcribed yeah, it basically. Yeah, I guess. and hats off to you. Yeah, like thank you. <laughs> it's great. I loved reading it. And you know, these story bubbles they remind me of how comic scripts are written for comic books because there's no set format. It's a communication between the scriptwriter and the artist, and hopefully they have a rapport so they can have a more dynamic relationship. But there's expectations.
0: Like, you expect to have a breakdown of individual characters of the main characters. Yeah. You expect, especially in an animation, you expect some drawings of said characters. You want to see what the look of the world is like, especially if it's a fantasy world or a science fiction. You definitely want tone in terms of some of these images. I mean, like, Batman's a fucking great example of that, where it's just within two images, you know what the show is going to look like. It leaves no question. Yeah.
1: And with Mighty Max, the thing that I latched onto the most was the uh, opening page of like, what's yes. this show about? Yeah. And it's so bombastic. It's so enthusiastic. There's nothing analytical or even like
0: Wikipedia about its nature at all. It, yeah, it's not like it's trying to pitch you a show as much as it's like, listen to this crazy idea someone told me and I'm going to repeat it to you, but ain't this shit crazy and it's self-referential but not like annoying and I don't know. And it was, and it, was it,
1: when it was adult talking yeah. to other adults and so it wasn't shying away from say like cuss words and so on. It's
0: like other people might run and hide, but Max... No nah, man, he ain't got time for that crap. He's our hero. Like so at the same time it's acknowledging that it's a story that they're telling you, but not like a narrative where it's like, let me tell you the story of Muddy and how badass he is, but rather like it knows it's pitching it to be a show. It knows it's pitching it to people who maybe holding the money to it and aren't that creative people, but it's just trying to get you hyped.
1: yeah It's trying it, to get you pumped. And it also contained the hype and the energy that, that the show has be imbued yeah. in the show itself and you can I mean just from that first page I'd be like, this is exactly the show they made. Yeah. Like this energy, the mystery, everything that happens in this first page happened in the show.
0: And that's just text
1: on the page without images. Yeah. We have no idea if there was any accompanying images to any of this. I love that. I love the shorthand of just being really casual about the presentation. And of course, we can do that with lightning dogs. We've been doing it like since day one. We just got to never let ourselves get bogged down in the minutia of the world we've created because we were doing all this extra work we're setting out to create a more complicated story Bible than most would have at a first season. So we also have to be careful because we do want to bring on additional writers. We want to make this something that's accessible and people feel like they have the room to be creative in. But we also want to note that there's direction, that we have at least bullet points far enough out and that we as creators feel comfortable having built a scaffolding to make those bullet points make sense and so far as like yeah. story beats, elements about the world. I mean, if you look at the timeline for Domus, you'll say, well, wow, you guys got this whole thing figured out, but nah, hell nah. Any one of these single bullet points could inspire a completely unique series. We wanted to keep it open. This isn't constraints. This is possibilities.
0: Reading all these Bibles and discovering how freeform the format was has been empowering and inspiring. We'll have a link to where you can read the publicly available Bibles and pitches on this episode's page. Once we've got final versions of our own pitch and story Bibles to share, you're gonna see them. And as they're being assembled, you'll see them first on the Lightning Dogs Patreon. Patreon is also a key piece of the puzzle when it comes to Greg Wiseman reviewing our Bible. He's a big name, and he can't do it for free, so we need to raise at least $1,000 for the minimum time needed to work with him and get his sage-like advice. Every dollar helps, so if you want to see this project come to fruition as much as we do, please consider joining us at patreon.com lightningdogs But back to Cap I's discussion. From this point, it wasn't long before our conversation veered sharply into world-building territory, and we abruptly found ourselves discussing Earth just before the fall of humanity. It was a hopeful era for mankind, highlighted by the construction of a massive object in orbit, a crystal-powered gate to the stars built under the supervision of Glampire. His determination to return to his homeworld was his undoing, and Earth's as well. So let's talk about the the satellite a little bit, or whatever it
1: is, Mm -hmm. the crystal array, because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a good enough time as any to try to nip in the bud exactly what it was that we're working towards Mm -hmm. in that regard. I love the visual of something space station sized a, a gate in the a, sky. Let's say yeah. a mass effect relay. Yeah. You know, in orbit above earth. I love that visual about of that, you know, crashing down. My concern goes to the progression of technology and how likely it was they'd be able to build something so big without it having another purpose because if glampires like I'm going to rush the process of making a gate to the stars that's great. I, I believe he wants to do that, mm-hmm. but he's got to play within the confines of the rest of humanity and what they believe that he's doing. Well, if, he,
0: humanity doesn't even need to know that he exists. Well, the right, upper people
1: he, will know. Like the average person on the street. Uh, right. I mean, like, Glampire's not Elon Musk. He's not right. like a celebrity. He's not a, he's
0: not a public figure.
1: But you would find him in some journals, some business journals. Like, I don't yeah. think he's like 100% in the shadows.
0: He's like a more reclusive Elon Musk. He's the Elon Musk you don't know about. Almost like the Walton family of like Walmart. They're off on their own. We don't really know much about their private lives. They have ungodly amounts of money stored away somewhere and they just do what they do. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not here to to be known by the people. They just, they own a a business.
1: Right. So whatever Glampire's alias is, like whatever he's going by, you can find records of him. Mm -hmm. No problem. Probably has several aliases. Yeah. Could even be. He's definitely got corporations within corporations and and whatever else. But basically, we have to create a world in which the following things are true. That the facility that the lightning dogs teleport to via the Farfetch is off the grid enough Glampire doesn't even know about it. Mm -hmm. It's not there. That there are so few of them that most of these facilities would be either like well fortified or subterranean or something. They're so experimental that they don't exist. You know, he doesn't even know about them. Like we have to figure out a way for Glampire to b- have both influenced all this so that we have that tragedy aspect of it and then also to have a situation where he wouldn't know about things because mm-hmm. otherwise if they were doing stuff off world, he would know about
0: it. Right. So what's he trying to do? What are we... Well, you bring up a good question because people of Earth would know they're built that, hey, we've made it. We've made it to the stars. We have a technology that allows us to go to other planets. It's still very difficult. It's still a little very energy consuming. So we're doing it really small, but we've, we have done it and the world, the whole world probably knows. Right. So then you're like, okay, well then how many gates are there? I mean, everyone knows about the, about the ISS, you know, like everybody, everybody knows exactly like what, what we're working with. So, well, unless, unless we're talking
1: about a world where privatized space travel and corporations and those entities do have the ability to operate these things in secret. For example, like, if they've got the crystals, if they're concerned with the production of crystals, they want to keep this revolution to themselves until they've perfected it. So
0: it's unlikely. It's just mm-hmm. a just Well, they, they, a, they think they perfected it when they're building a giant space station that will launch you across the galaxy. Right. So I, I, th- I think either way, when things go wrong, the public knows this technology now, exists. Have you seen The Man Who Fell to Earth? No. Okay.
1: It's very much an art film sci-fi. It, it's very long and very weird but a lot of the stuff that i'm getting the influence for glampire as this industrialist is a sidestep and i mentioned this before but it's a sidestep to the narrative in the man who fell to earth who is an alien who is from a planet without water who's come to earth to seek out water gets sidetracked by his own hang-ups and humanity and everything becomes a a wealthy reclusive strange industrialist And starts funding like space experiments and so on. Mm -hmm. And it's all over the place. The movie's all over the place. But there's no real resolution to the sci-fi aspects of it. I feel like we're taking that trope and doing something exciting and different with it. Granted, it was a book first, which I have not read, which may be more of a real sci-fi. Probably explains it a bit more. Yeah, Yeah. probably. I like that trope. I want to play with that trope. I think it makes Glampire a more interesting figure to have had him actually have a hand in the downfall of Earth. It looks like it's humanity's folly, but it's his folly, and that's
0: a regret that he can hold on to fuel his rage. I thought of it more of, like, this amazing secret backstory that the Lightning Dogs don't know. But Glampire would almost find it funny that they come here looking for masters, and he knows everything. He knows, he knows humans better than we know ourselves at this point. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And for them to to just be so confused and to have no idea. They're just stumbling along and they're these, these ignorance that they, that they just have of who they think are gods. And at any point he could just sit them down and be like, let me crush your hopes and dreams. Just, just by speaking the truth. I don't even have to lie to you. You know, like there's a really interesting thing about that and building to a point where it's like, I don't think this will ever happen, but if, if you were to have Glampire sit down with the lightning dogs and start telling them the story, And let's just assume they believe everything he's saying. Then becomes the great twist, like Scar from The Lion King, like, and here's my little secret. I killed Mufasa. And then you're like, fuck! It's like that he was literally the one... Who pushed humanity to the brink in one way inspired them and in one way, you know, helped fund them to do this. And, and they, things were better than ever, but he just had to go home. He just had to do his own thing. And that just was too much. And he, humanity suffered because of it. But he's kind of like, eh, fuck him anyway. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, it failed. And now I'm really pissed off and it didn't work, but I'll figure out another way. And you're going to help me do it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's really, I love that. I love how powerful that is and and how much we can play with that because that information, you know, Sold old hat
0: to us, but right. I, I mean, mean, if you think of a, new, of a newcomer, if you're just watching like the pilot episode and you see the glampire. You don't know what he knows. You don't know that he's been around for forever. That'd be a great twist. You'd have them maybe someday in the future, if they're talking to the artificial intelligent robots in Antarctica or wherever they are, and it's like, oh, you have records of the past. Let's see. And then like they start learning this little bit more and more and more about how humanity was building and building and building. And they're like, oh, they found the crystals just like us. And oh my gosh, look at how like us. They didn't have a war with crystals when they found out about them. You know, they're better than us, aren't they? You know, like they're admiring it almost. And then you just have a flashback episode where it's like you just see this backstory and they're like oh well uh major tom prepare to meet your benefactor this is the man who's built the uh the the space capsule you're gonna be flying in you pan the camera over and it's glampire in a modern day business suit it's like Yes, pleased to meet you. Finally, I handpicked you myself. You know, all these just the, the <laughs> and if you don't know that going in, you'd be like, oh my fuck, he got like, you didn't even know he was immortal. You didn't even know that he was alive that long. Yeah. You had no clue. And
1: even still, like, we could have pictures of Glampire in like a fedora with sunglasses on in a suit. You wouldn't fucking recognize him. Yeah. And you could have him in the background of things. Who knows how long we could see it in images of him without anybody having a chance in hell of noticing him until finally like, you know, you get the big picture at one point. It'd be great. It's like devil's haircut.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, really? That's like, that's kind of how I picture it going on where it's just like, Oh shit. He was there the entire time and they didn't fucking know. It just, it's uh, to us. It's, it's an exciting idea, but we don't even get to experience the revelation of it. (laughs) Other people going into it who, who don't know. Oh man, that's,
1: that's the goal. That's the hope. That's what we're striving for. Yeah.
0: Maybe now's a decent time. We can start digging into what is he? Like, what is Glampire? Obviously, he's an alien from another, from another planet, but we've talked before very briefly about what his powers or lack thereof and, may and or may not are, be. And people are
1: asking on the forums. They got questions, and it's it's kind of crazy that we haven't answered this yet. Yeah. What's, what's important is, thus so far, we have a likable group of main characters, and we know mm-hmm. the bad guy is evil, yeah. which is the most important thing and, you can have for something and,
0: of the genre we're creating. And kind of ageless. Yeah. So he's he's ageless and from another planet, has a knowledge of futuristic devices, uh, alien technology, if you will. Now, um,
1: I would say he's most assuredly a vampire in some respects. has, that,
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously that's in the name, but, but what is it? I mean, I don't know if he, he should fly. Should he fly?
1: I don't think he should fly. But I do think standard issue vampire stuff in that he's like relatively impervious, stronger than he looks. Yes. And that he has some kind of life leeching abilities. Mm-hmm. Are they the cliche, bite the neck, suck the blood kind of things? Uh, I don't, be too I'm on not attached nose. to that. Yeah. yeah.
0: What if it's should kind of have like... Should he
1: have fangs? I think he should have fangs. Fangs
0: would be a great visual, but then you expect him to bite somebody. Something to consider. I mean, he's an alien after all. But, in terms of the life-sucking ability, could that be some way related to the kid's ability? The opposite side of the coin? Like, kid can suck the energy out of crystals and transfer energy. Or do you see Glampire being more like Rogue from X-Men?
1: Rogue is all about power transferal and she can actually absorb everything about somebody to a point of death, leaving it as a, as a wilted husk. And I think that, that part
0: of her, yeah. Yeah, I, I, did, say, I, I didn't mean power transference right. necessarily. I just meant more of like, like, it can literally suck the life out of you.
1: Glampire has the ability to, let's say via his hands, mm-hmm. feed, and this is how he sustains himself, to feed off the life force of other creatures. Mm-hmm. And they wither. They don't grow old. And like rogue stuff or like life absorbing stuff like, well, the, it looks like, you know, you have a young kid and they, they turn like they turn to an old man. Now, maybe they get wrinkly or they compress. But yeah, they don't
0: I know. don't I, I'm thinking less like, oh, you age and More, now you're now you're suddenly like 50 years older as so much as it mummifies you.
1: Yeah, you turn to a husk. Yeah. Does he drain your vitals in a way that you could recover from? I want to lean towards something that's actually like medically sound of like, he drains your vitals. Yeah, because he's not magic. It's not like, he shaved years off of your life. But that could happen, you know, if the cell damage was so extreme or Like the pit of
0: despair from uh,
1: Princess Bride. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and maybe we could, you know, throw around wording like that if someone really got it bad, you know, like practically a husk. Oh my God, no, there's still a pulse. And they're like, well, yeah, you know, we're pumping fluids into you, but you're going to have white hair now. I
0: want it to be a little believable. I mean, just a little bit in the sense that like, if he touches you and it's instant death, Maybe that's a power that he can control. Like, it's not automatic. If he gets really angry, he could pick up, like, one of the little uh, creatures that serves him out of anger and just, like, squeeze its head and you just see, yeah, yeah and it shrivels and it's done. And in about five seconds, and he's just like, oh, Like, you know, and that's not even pure out of anger, but it could also mean that he's just running low on energy and he just needed it. But if you're, like, say, fighting him and he punches you, I don't think you should fall down dead and turn into a mummy.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I feel like... It's the palms of his hands, like yeah. imagine like pores opening up and like, absorbing. But I don't want to be a parasite, you know, like yeah. from Superman. I don't want to be like a leech creature, exactly. right? Right. But it kind of neat to have like weird patterns on the palms of his hands or something like that, like think, mm-hmm. something where you could. Especially so, if he wears gloves a lot. That yeah, kind of freaky. That could just, be a, just, like really He takes the
0: gloves off for the first time, and you just see this weird ripply, like almost gill like thing, and you're just like, "What the fuck is that?" Or,
1: or you know, maybe he doesn't wear them in the Lightning Dogs present, but he certainly did in the past. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see, you know, him having a kind of vampiric embrace, grabbing someone, absorbing their energy. Maybe there's some kind of a funky, you know, light show, as you do in fiction, glowing eyes, you know, that kind of thing. But what other powers do we want to have? Because he, he's a ruler of this entire your, your land. He already has a lot of power. Right. He, ha- he has a lot of power. Right. But is his reputation and influence and relative indestructibility enough? Or does he need to have some like when you throw down with Glampyre, like when you do
0: battle with glampire? what are you up against i think we talked about before in earlier episodes that they kind of may have like a mind control ability like or an influence ability kind of like they going sort of back to a vampiric yeah. thing where bella lugosi would you know give you a look at, stare with the eyes when he was dracula and you would just your arms would go limp and you are then open to any suggestion and he would turn people against themselves and uh just make you The servant to the point where you could have this husk of a person. You you don't don't even hurt them. You're under his spell and he would say, go do this. And then when they go out into public to get whatever he wants, they're acting totally normal, but still under his control.
1: We really need to work with this. Yeah, because where does his weird cartoon name come from? Why does everybody in the wasteland refer to him as Glampire? That's so on the nose. Mm. That's so weird. It may be that he's been doing the wealthy industrialist shtick for a while. Throughout history, he's had to wear a lot of different hats, Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe this is too on the nose, but like maybe he did actually participate in the glam rock circuit. Like he was a figure.
0: I've thought about that, but but I think the more we put him in the public eye, it just becomes almost too obvious. Like he oh, by the way, he was also a rock star, right? There is a version of that that works. I just don't know if it's oh, and then he's going to go on to become a millionaire. Like once you become a rock star even if you're old and it's like 30 years later and your music's not popular anymore. Well, no, you fake your death. Eddie and the uh, cruisers. Yeah. But you know, it, it's just now we're, that, that just adds a, a level of complexity. Now it's like, well, why did, if he's going to fake his death, why do you even do it in the first place? Whereas if it's just like his goal, because he knows, because he's, he's the other thing. He is an alien on a, on a different planet. And if he comes under too close a scrutiny, they're going to find out. Right. And although he may have some powers, this is a world that will not understand. Sure, react well, I, I, think, I think it's
1: a really great environment for that because it is really heavy-handed, but I would like to make it work for the sole reason of if we do give him the manipulation powers, it's great because it works with the diamond dogs and that whole process. Mm-hmm. Like, he would be able to orchestrate that. It's something that would come naturally to him to create creatures like that and to lord over what was left because what does he have left but his abilities to manipulate and his invulnerability, though we do need to give him a weakness that's not sunlight. And... If he was in a position where, let's say he glitters or something, not in a Twilight kind of way, but Mm -hmm. like the thrall of Glampire is a beautiful
0: experience. Yeah. You don't, almost like you don't want to hurt him.
1: Right. And when Glampire's feeding, it's immensely pleasurable for him. Like, it's the best. It's not Mm -hmm. because he doesn't eat in a conventional sense as we
0: understand it. Like, absorption is, is different.
1: So then that pleasurable thing... Is
0: kind of circuital. more of a because, drug as because, opposed to as opposed to uh, sustenance,
1: right? But his thrall is even more drug-like. Like he gets like say like immediate pleasure, like let's say a comparison, it's like sexual pleasure mm-hmm. from absorbing that life force. It's overwhelming. It makes him feel so good. Mm-hmm. He needs to do it and he wants to do it. But when you're in glampire's thrall, it's a magical experience. You and you, you can't, believe and, yeah. right, and you can't come out of it. You have to come down from it. Like you'll fight some pulling like Hank somebody more so. Right. Yes, and even if you're pulling somebody away from that influence or something, they'll still fight you because right. it was so. It felt so good. It was so good. It'll stick with you. Like it's dangerous to be in his thrall. Mm-hmm. It's an in, in my mind a wonderful visual to think of like 70s era glam and you know, sparkles, glitter effects, and like in all those great 70s like cheesy kind of camera tricks and so on. Borderline gem, <laughs> like, you know, Pr- proto gem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to have a guy at the center of it that's a visual representation of the thrall that he is in fact projecting. Like I feel like even... in,
0: in, in every Japanese anime when uh, the young girl looks over at Senpai, that effect, <laughs> like when it cuts to the face of the <laughs> of the androgynous male that the crush is on and it just plays that twinkling sound and it right, has right. that, that uh, diffused glow effect to it, that's what you see when you're in Glampire's presence for a little too long.
1: If you think about his timeline, getting here in the early days of humanity...
0: You know, I'm going to have to bring up uh star wars tangent sure because this is sounding similar to prince uh uh zizor i, see, I, see, I she's she's zizor. Zizor, i yeah. never say it right and it's there's i've heard it pronounced several different ways from the audiobook to the way it's supposed to be pronounced on toy packaging i don't know but uh with uh, zizor. Uh, zizor i as a kid i said zizor but anyway whatever pheromone dude pheromone, pheromone dude, pheromone dude. Yeah, yeah tried to seduce princess leia almost did it and chewy saved her
1: which I, I hate that whole storyline. I've been pretty- right. for Star Wars. Yeah, it is, yeah. I, I,
0: I can understand. But this but yes, is a
1: similar right. four, guy for Star Wars. Yeah. It was wrong. It was dirty. It was dirty fan fiction that got published.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh, this is something similar to what we got with Glampire. We have a guy mysterious yeah. member of a race who's either missing or all dead. Right. Is seeking revenge of some kind is a powerful head of a large, basically army of weirdos. He has his own gang. Yeah. So, and, and he rivals with the Hut clan and rivals with whatever, and he's trying to sort of grease the palms of the uh, Emperor to get in his good graces so that maybe one day he can kill the Emperor. And he has these powers of suggestion and influence and everything else, and he's very exotic, and he dresses in these fancy clothes, and he lives in luxury, even though the rest of the universe is kind of all shitty. So there's similarities there, but with him, it was more of a personal revenge against Vader and like a very clear plot to overthrow the Empire and just become badass of the galaxy. We don't really know that aspect of it for Glampire for trying to get home because right now he just wants to get off this shithole of a planet that he's stuck on. Yeah. But there's something there as far as a comparison, like in, in terms of uh, well, how he's handled. Yeah, yeah, no. It's biology. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, it's not like a crystal I, influence or whatever.
1: I mean, imagine on his home planet, they've got crystal technology. It's common enough that he, at least as someone who, for whose field it is not, that he could figure out like, well, what is it going to take for me? to steer humanity into a way so that their experts could develop this technology. Like he, he's, he's not a, he's not a dumb
0: guy. It's like, if I went back in time, I know enough about the most basic shit where if I could invest in the stock market, like if you send me back to 1954 and you give me like 10 bucks and I go and I just get a job working at some cafe or a gas station or whatever. So I'm making nothing, but I take every cent that I have to spare and I invest it in IBM in a few years, I'm going to become really rich. Like, I can see where things are going to go.
1: Well, I would say it's more of a comparison of, like, say you know how light bulbs work and you get thrown into medieval times mm-hmm. that's what we're working
2: with, right
0: I, I was building to that point but just basically like the idea because because clearly he doesn't know what the humanity's future is right but he has a good idea like he may like i don't want to say he's a, an average person on the other planet because it's clearly some kind of like no, general he, zod kind right of. yeah he
1: he was he was a revolutionary of some kind yeah. he
0: knew enough he wanted to overthrow didn't happen and they, he's sent here as as punishment on his home planet, they
1: sustain themselves by absorbing living creatures. You know, we, we have our meat we factories. Food, yeah, yeah. yeah, We could think about like ways where, well, oh no, they've tried to be peaceful or something. That's a story for another day. But the point is, biologically speaking, he does that. The point of the thrall would likely be as a natural order kind of thing. Like that's how they get their food. So they have a whole culture that's based on cunning, guile, manipulation and so on because that's biologically the nature of him unless he is a freak on his own world Mm
0: -hmm. Um, which i don't
1: particularly no no that it's that's problematic yeah Um, i
0: mean it's it i i think it's more interesting that that he's power wise he's basically the same just ideologically he was kicked off for trying to overthrow a government or start a revolution of some kind right but on on earth i'm kind of digging the idea that uh him consuming life is a little of a slower process Like the bigger you are, the slower the process would be. For example, once Kane Corso is under his control, it's like he can just go over and touch Kane Corso every now and then, just when he starts to lose the faith a bit, just to be kind of like, oh no, I think you need to do whatever. You know, and then it's like he starts feeling good, then Kane Corso starts feeling pretty good. It's uh, a longer, drawn out process. You almost would think it's like more like Stockholm syndrome, but for him to just live, it could be really simple. They can bring him any piece of crap off the wasteland, like any slug, any frog the size of a dog. I don't want it to be like, bring me a beautiful girl and I'll have to feed off of her like a vampire would want to or whatever. I think it, it to make it more in a realistic way, it's like it can be anything. And just like if even if it's just something like like Job of the Hut eating the, the frog or whatever, if it's just something small, it's just like all right, I'm fine now, and well, not it, even I mean, that, that he's, was an appetizer. That wasn't his meal, right? But you know what I'm saying? It's like you and but like a bunch of little things all together. Yeah, he'll have a whole meal. He could yeah. eat grubs because he doesn't care. He's like this is he's living in the lap of luxury. I would imagine that like the energies
1: of different creatures, be they plants or animals or whatever, all have a different experience. There's ones that he prefers, right. And that the act of absorbing in its own way, it's replenishing, but maybe it's also, like, you know, exhausting. Like, he has to—if he wanted to kill somebody by absorbing them, he would have to exert himself a great deal. Like, say if we, if we talk about it as a parallel for sex—
0: well, you know, I'm realizing I am not trying to interrupt your train of thought, but you were hitting on something that is definitely out of mass effect as well. <laughs> like out of the Wait, um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I only uh, what played I only played the first one. I know I, yeah, I lose and, a lot um, of credibility with that. <laughs> oh no, dude the first one's great, but uh, I think they're all great. But um in the second one, uh you meet up with other Asari there's an Asari Justicar who uh, the side quest mission is you have to go find her daughter. She's like, But I got to, I gotta warn you, she's an artyakshi. And you're like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, oh, well, every once in a while, an Asari is born with uh, these extreme out-of-control powers, and um, they can't handle it. And they run amok, and they try to do the mind meld, you know, um, embrace eternity thing, and it literally kills you. It's just like you, your, your brain can't, you have a brain hemorrhage, your heart attack, your heart explodes, like all of it all at the same time, and it just, it just drains the life out of you. But that is an addictive thing for an R.yakshi Yakshi who can't train themselves to resist it. And her daughter has basically escaped the compound where they keep her, sort of like a monk temple of uh, where they take all these young Asari and try to train them to do use of power for good and not, you know, become greedy and start eating people. Uh-huh. But uh, she's gone rogue. She starts eating people. She's like a serial killer that is untraceable and everyone falls in love with her because of their, you know, sorry or like the baseline level of attractive that any alien Anybody, species yeah. can, can relate to. Yeah. So she like prowls in clubs on different planets and stuff and you got to go in, pretend to be seduced by her and then get the drop on her. Yeah, no, that sounds but, exactly like what I'm yeah. talking <laughs> But you got to, but but when, you're, but when you're playing as Commander Shepard, you got to be like... Resist it actually because it does start to have an effect on you, and you have to make a choice. You are going to either kill her and finish that plan of what the mother wants, or kill the mother and have her on your team. And she's
1: how long does that work for?
0: What having having the uh having her on your team as yeah. a serial killer? She says she'll rein it in, and she says she'll do it. And you can that's an, that's a legit option. Well, you like can do. all the way to
1: the end of Mass Effect three. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. Holy shit! I had no idea. No one's. How has no one ever talked to me about this character? That sounds oh, crazy. It's, oh,
0: it's, uh, I mean, she's a psycho, uh, borderline serial killer, you know. She must
1: not be a popular selection then,
0: because I've never heard anybody well,
1: talk no, about because her. Well, no, it's because
0: it's creepy, you know. It's like, I mean, she, she's legit creepy, uh, you my know. my
1: God, yeah. I, I guess if everybody wasn't so into
0: Tali, then oh, and this would be. Oh, there's a mode where you can play, because here's the thing, right? The Asari Justicar, that's her team, oh, Morinth, that's her, Morinth. She's like, and I sat, it's sad and it's terrible, but I have to kill my daughter because she's killed so many people and she'll kill again. And it's my job as a Justicar, basically a space cop, you know, to put her down. You know, she like, and it's awful. It's like this gut wrenching thing, you know, and um, you're going to help her make that decision. You're going to help her take her down. But when she gives you the sexy eyes, and basically, it's like a terrible uh, analogy, but it's like Anakin Skywalker with Windu and Palpatine in the window. Like, you must choose. You know, like what are you gonna do? They're both fighting using their their Asari powers. Ugh, and if you choose, making to, me sick even mentioning that scene. Yeah, fuck and, you. And if you if you choose to side with the daughter instead of the uh, the mother, the mother dies, and the daughter is just like, well, you know, your crew is gonna want to know what happened to her because they know that you're after me, this crazy serial killer. So I'm just gonna wear her outfit, and no one's gonna know the difference because Asari look too similar for most people. So she just puts on the mom's outfit and then just goes by her name in public. But when you're in private, it goes back to her name. And oh there's my God. and oh no, this is the point I'm getting to. There's oh a there's God. there's a choice in the game where so you can shoot you can choose to romance her. Uh-huh. And if you decide to romance her, she's like, listen, uh that's a path to a game over. She's yeah, it's just a path to a game over where she just says, Listen, <laughs> if you want to pursue it, we can pursue it, but I'm telling you, no one can resist it and it's and no one no one can handle it. And you're like, I'm Commander Shepard, you know, I can I can do anything. And she's just like, no, really, <laughs> like I'll do this if you want, but I'm telling you, you're gonna die. And the game, in a weird way, if you've already gone this far, you're thinking I can do it. I mean, yeah, come on, i comm- I could I could do this. I'm Commander Shepard. I can do anything. I can survive making out with her because I, you know otherwise the game would just be over instantaneously. You click the option. He's like, "I'm willing to take that risk," and then just, whoom, They embrace, and she's like, "Embrace eternity," and then cut to a game over screen, and then that's it. You gotta start back over <laughs> over your last save, <laughs> and it's like, I think it's fucking great that they give you that option. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this has been an interesting tangent, but uh, but I'm only I only bring it up to mention it in detail because this is uh, a level of power that we're talking about with Glampire, similar yeah. similar sort of. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, but what do I say? Basically, the dude, if he wants to consume an entire adult life force, mm-hmm. he will have to really exert himself like the channels will be open he will be using his equivalent kegel muscles yes. oh, too.
0: oh and they even say she's just like uh uh you know when he's like what's it like when you kill somebody are they in pain are they in whatever and she goes uh it is the most euphoric experience that one can experience in the universe like it's like yes. before death it well, is it is literally okay. the highest of all highs let's say
1: it is for glampire yeah if he's t- ma- taking the time to put you in his thrall otherwise i would wager it's a very painful and awful if it experience. kills you yeah because if he's like no nah, this is chill you're chill i'm chill let me sip off keep you this for going. a while yeah, yeah right you're
0: good everything's great but if he but, decides but if he's to like, to empty you if, if you're like, like if you're like take me glampire he's like all right your funeral well, And then
1: like, <laughs> well but no i'm mean, what i'm talking about is, is like the lightning dogs are in there like dingo he's like you like right. he, he lunges at him and you're then, not under his spell right you're not under his spell he doesn't give a fuck about you he's just sucking dry yeah yeah you're not getting anything there's no there's yeah. no padding there's no
0: cushion It's right, just right, right, right white hot terror it's like it has to, it's like he has to condition you before you become food right if you have a brain at least if and you're like, a mindless creature then it doesn't right
1: matter. And in his race it was all like well you know like you're a rabbit equivalent come over here and rabbit's like oh, yeah sure i could do that and he's like <laughs> <laughs> well sorry pal which isn't to say that they don't have pets, it's just to say that, you know, like, they can get a pet very easily. The mm-hmm. trick is not eating that pet. That's the hard part. hmm So we've got Thrall, a vampiric embrace, super strength, no flight, though I would love to see him do kind of like weird leaps that look like a guy on wires. Yeah, leaping's I, I, not that bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's something you do with strength. Like Khan from Into Darkness. Yeah. 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 Glowy eyes when necessary, but energy blasts, dealing back someone's life force at them or something. I don't know if I don't that's... Know, yeah, I don't, don't know about, if, that. Yeah, that, don't that, know about that, that. That
0: seems a little too magical and but, not, not but, really.
1: But you know what? He's a guy with a lot of powers at his disposal, as in like forces and so on. So mm-hmm. we should probably give him a creepy scientist character, you know, like, oh, okay, well, I've got these crystal gauntlets or whatever, like, you know, mm-hmm. energy blast slicing, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. If we want to have an action figure where everybody's got...
0: Like, Is it Renfield in, the, uh, in Dracula? We need that character. We need a, a surrogate for that. The guy's but- just like, Master, I've, I've, I've completed the newest <laughs> invention. It's like, no two on the nose <laughs> i don't mean literally take that yeah. voice i'm just saying i'm just saying it's like that that role needs to be filled somehow by somebody what's oh, well, that, well isn't that what um Nigel is kind of doing well he Nigel is like he's a robot yeah he's like he's like his assistant
1: he's like a page yeah. or a butler he's like and he's, an alarm he's, system he's his, he's his alfred you know like but he's yeah. not the guy who's designing stuff necessarily I feel like Nagel's Like you said
0: he's his Alfred, but he's not building or designing anything, and that is what Alfred does.
1: No, no. Like it depends on what depends on what continuity you're talking about. Alfred is a capable right hand person who can like look unassuming and then take you down. Alfred takes care of business, but I said most continuities, Alfred is just Just a butler, yeah. Like there's other continuities where he's got that weird deformed dude. Who? Yeah, like, that was, was creeping out. It wasn't quite. Yeah. It was man. I couldn't even tell you where that guy fits into any respective continuity. It's like he's there, he isn't there, whatever. But it's kind of like uh, you know, in Power Rangers, the original Power Rangers. Aye, aye,
2: aye. <laughs> <laughs> not not Alpha. I actually wasn't thinking about Alpha, but but
1: but yes, if if Glampire Zordon, then Nagels his Alpha. But I was talking about Rita Repulsa, and she's got that dude who makes the little clay sculptures that they send out. I'm not talking about we have something as formulaic as the anime plots that are Power Rangers or whatever mm. like every episode is the same but slightly different but a guy who's
0: like tinkering a yeah, tinkerer is not out there getting his hands dirty no like so like, who's, like, who's he, doing the dirty work who are
1: the science people who are the people who's like well like how about try this with the crystals where did the glass spiders come from like probably a, a, you know Glampire working alongside somebody else what are those even we don't even know. I've talked about Glampire's entourage, like the need for dukes and so on of Mm -hmm. different lands and everything. And I want him to have basically a situation where he's Frankenfurter and there's rich weirdos up in the eaves and you don't know who they are. You don't know what they are. They've all probably got weird stories and maybe we'll focus on them someday. But he's in a castle and this castle is going to be populated with things and people that are also things. I'm just a (laughs) glampire from glamorous glam rock (laughs) oh right so that which reminds me which reminds me so glampire has been living with humanity for a long time it's like he's bill murray in groundhog's day but time is progressing but there's no consequences he just lives forever and ever and ever and has enough power that he can work with any kind of indulgence and mostly like humanity's ants. He doesn't necessarily want to be the emperor, but he'll whisper in somebody's ear to like, you know, to have his way and so on and so forth. Well, it's also
0: because he's aware that if he, if he decided to conquer the world in the ancient world, eventually he'd be overthrown yeah. and killed because he'd be exposed like, as like a, as a freak.
1: He doesn't want to be God of the ants, right? You know, whatever he was doing on his own planet, that was important to him. That was really important to him. And being God of the ants means nothing. He lives comfortably. Sure. Fine. Whatever. So technology's marching on and he's like, well, you know. We might be getting close here, but he's already kind of like, it's a wild, funky
0: time. Could Earth be sort of like a mobile game, like Tiny Tower or Fallout Shelter, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, more people died. Ah, well. You're trying to build something. Your end goal is to get enough stuff put together that you can finally make something real.
1: Right. Like, you know, Doctor Who, the thing's like, well, I love my companions because... They're only here for a short while and then, like a flame, they burn out or whatever, like that. Well, Glampire takes the opposite look at immortality. He's like, Well, why even bother? Yeah. Doctor Who's like, Oh, I'm such a bleeding heart all the time. And Glampire's like, Well, that's your mistake there. These things, why are you even giving a damn about it so primitive. Things? Yeah. I mean, we're primitive. Which is probably, it's probably kind of, if we're, if we're doing a Doctor Who comparison, that's probably where the master falls into that. But, imagine if you will 20th century he's like well there, there could be something here but it's been a weird time for him there's been all these world wars and everything it's kind of destabilized and he's like well i've been keeping a low profile i've just been kind of waiting for a while and he does the glam rock thing like he pays some people to write some songs or maybe he himself is a really good songwriter or whatever and he's there for a while but then something happens something happens he sees something In this drug haze of all the people that he's with, and they're all seem all sleepy and weird and all, because of all the nineteen seventies drugs they're on, Mm -hmm. which is actually glampire. Mm -hmm. There's no there's not enough needles around here for as high as everybody seems to be. But he sees something. He's like he's always reading science journals, which is like so far out, man, and he sees that there's been a breakthrough. It's really casual. He's just he's been doing this all along, you know, monitoring stuff and everything, and then but then he's like, Oh my god. He's been lackadaisical about the whole thing. Because he's
0: waiting. Right. He's waiting for the first computer, you know, right. he's so he's waiting for humanity on its own to reach a point where he can say, now I can nudge them in the right direction. Right.
1: And he's maybe been nudging them in different places or like investing money in things right. and so on. But it only goes so far because you can't say to a primitive race, OK, I want you to invent a crystal that can do this, this and this. And right. they're like, that's not how it works, man. So he finally sees something for the first time in forever. That he's like, oh, my God, I can work with this. They finally done it, and that's the day, or you know, several days after, top twenty artist Glampire dies, drives off of a bridge, and you know
0: disappears or whatever. Like he- I say, you're saying I'm not hundred percent against it. I just feel like I can't picture General Zod doing that if he's on another planet. Granted, General Zod has the powers of like Superman, depending on what version we're going with, and he doesn't live forever. And he doesn't live forever, but I just I'm having a hard time picturing like another alien who's just like on this other planet. Stuck here, doesn't really care about the people. If he doesn't care about the people, then why did he become a rock star?
1: What I'm looking for is, one, I like the visual of it, but two, right. I'm looking for a good excuse for him to have a goofy name that carries over into what is for the Lightning Dog's present day. For just the name Glampire? Right. I, I don't know. What, what the fuck do people call him? Lord. Lord Glampire. Yeah. You Master.
0: Know. I mean, they, they call I mean, they, they, him, they, calls I mean, him... I
1: I suppose I'm overthinking it. They'd be like, yeah. well, they call him the Glampire on account of, you know... What he does. Yeah. Like, we've literally given...
0: If the word glam is somehow involved in his home planet, then why the fuck not?
1: He has glamour powers, and he has vampiric powers. He is literally a glampire. He's
0: He's a glamorous vampire. So,
1: I guess, I don't know. If we're on the fence about it, we should kick it around a little bit more. Like, I like the trope of it, and we've talked about how we don't want to borrow too much from Bowie, and giving him a David Bowie period is little too close to home is the thing it's it like, is but i do love it and i almost feel like as soon as we talked about that he was immortal and everything i almost feel like it was expected
0: yeah well you know i i think that part of his backstory is so far down the line it's true we can decide to throw it in or or take it out depending on the direction the whole series is going. i mean in
1: the story bible for example it should tie it doesn't back even around, matter. yeah it doesn't even all matter all i would say is glampire comes from another planet and uh has enslaved earth he's been with humanity a long time and uh, basically, he's the, only be- one,
0: the, the, the most important thing about him is that he's the number one adversary because he's trying to get off of Earth, yeah. and he's the only person on Earth who remembers what human beings were like.
1: It'll tell you roughly what the lightning dogs know. Yeah. And then everything else is not particularly important.
2: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
1: But I would also like everything we've constructed to have, like, some notes of further details on Glampar. You know, like, he could he could have been this? He, he played an instrumental role in the downfall of humanity. These are all elements that should be hinted to, but never explicitly stated yeah, in any way, shape, m- or form. More of the writer's guide, as opposed to
0: the story Bible, it
1: seems. Is there a difference? Because, I, I mean, there, it's an internal document. We just yes. happen to be making ours public.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the writer's guide is the document that says, here's what we do, here's what we don't do. The series Bible is more of, like, a really big introductory thing. Especially for pitching a show. Well, but, the, I, I, but, the, I, but the writer's Bible is the show is happening. We've already done episodes. Here's the tone for you who are not familiar and you're coming into the show. Here's what you need to know. The big do's and don'ts.
1: Well, wait a minute. So there's two kinds of Bibles now. This is news to me.
0: Well, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not a different kind of Bible. It's just it's the writer's guide. It's uh-huh. the idea that you are a television writer. and well, uh, I've
1: seen that as a piece of most of the story
0: Bibles. Well, you can do both. Like You can give somebody a story right. Bible and that might just be enough but for other shows like the next generation or uh, star trek voyager they have a writers guide batman had a writers had a writers guide uh-huh. that's the, that's the digital thing that we have that is not something they used to pitch the show to right. get it made that's well, something that after the show's already existed, they hand that to incoming writers or guest writers. The writer's guide would be the one that says we don't talk about Glampire's past.
1: You know, I never really thought that far along. I've I've always considered this to be an internal document for us writing Lightning Dogs, but at the same time, I've also talked about showing it to professionals and seeing story how, story uh, bible is quite quite literally what, what is at. what's going to sell the show. But I always thought about it as a, you know a show pitch, which is simpler even than a story bible.
0: Right? Or yeah, they going to
1: want to see the bible as well?
0: Well, it's all yeah, it's all very loose interpretations. I mean, I, people have done mixtures of all three in different ways and a writer's guide is way more in-depth and it's more about the real minutia of okay we're doing this we're not doing this this is definitely something in the background this has already been established we need to have a payoff for this story bible is like the introductory thing you've never heard of lightning dogs before what do they need to know to say i want to see that show we don't need to tell them all about the the fall of of earth we just need to say earth has fallen glampire's in charge they're going to figure out why they're going to take back this planet in the name of the masters and he hints that he somehow may have had a hand in it This is what you need to know going into the first episode. And here are little notes about potentials of where it's going to go. For example, Angela is, uh, you know, the muscle. She gets her power is this. We do it like a little file. You know, it's like giving her, you know, like like what we started doing. And then say what her temperament is like, what she doesn't like to talk about, which could lead to potential backstory stuff. Like she's she's sensitive when it comes to X, Y, Z. Half of that would be just a, a glorious character design. Just something that's like full color, full oh, yeah. whatever. Just something that really sends it home. This is the definite final version of what is going to be in the show. Finer details of her background, how she grew up. Down the line, we bring in other people to help create the world of Lightning Dogs. That's when we'd have to let them know, okay, look, here's some of these other things that we had planned. But hey, we're a team of writers. Let's yeah. just see where we go I'm, with
1: I'm, it. I'm, I'm really excited for the prospect of
0: seeing what other people whose work because, we're
1: into like developing based on this. Right. Well.
0: Because I think the thing that makes this work... Is the starting point that we chose. The Lightning Dogs on Earth fighting Glampire, and there's just endless potential on where to go with that. That is a great starting point. If we try and say, like, well, when's the starting point? Is it really when Glampire first decides to put money in an account? Like, no, that, that's not like that does not matter when it comes to the Lightning Dogs. So that's all just flavor for us because we already know so much about where everything is going to go. It is helping us kind of inform character decisions and character traits. But for anyone who's just coming into it, they don't really need to know all that.
1: Right? I never thought we'd provide them with that much information. But more like if we truly know a lot about Glampire, that's a bio to inform everybody of his history. Yeah. But, but, I would know, rather,
0: yeah. I'd rather the bio of Glampire be filled out you know, years from now by the fan who has watched every episode, read every comic book. And is like, well, we pieced together this, as right. opposed to an official release, this is the bio of Glampire, because that would give shit away. I mean, you know, it is true.
1: Anything that we've talked about here could change drastically. Yeah. Between now and the story Bible, and then even as the show's being produced, anything that hasn't actually occurred in any canonical release,
0: any comic books, or
1: if the universe is truly kind to us, animated content, we could change anything that hasn't been implicitly stated there.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, could even decide, you know, Glampire's a little too lame. We got to get a better bad guy. And then someone comes up with a bad guy. And we're like, holy shit, that was perfect. And we never think of that. Like, you never know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to exploring the possibilities. I'm
1: looking forward to creating new characters. Because we've been kicking around the same ones for a while. For good reason. This is the baseline. This is the establishment. But I want to, you know, I really, (laughs) I want to get my hands dirty with, like, wacky side characters like Captain Scrap and an equivalence to Captain Scrap, not him specifically, because he's been around a long time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's been around the, for, for a while. He's one of the first other side bad guys we thought of. We
1: should come back to the detail of the crystal array and the Oh, destructor. yeah, sure, sure. Because it does, it does need to be large scale. It uh-huh. does need to rain down on the earth. It does need to be a really cool visual in the instance that we do see it. Mm-hmm. All those things are true. It's mm-hmm. very important. It's super important to know absolutely everything we can about that instance because it will inform the evolution of Earth post-fall of mankind. Mm-hmm. But then we have to work with Glampire cannot know about the base with the far fetch until... Right, yeah. Like, which is the trickiest part because if he had any play in the development of this technology, how would it even be possible for him to not know about it or to lose the coordinates to it or whatever? Because when Glampire says, how? How is there another one? Like, how is this under my nose this entire time? Mm-hmm. And then the dogs... Like, he gets so excited and then the dogs take it away from him. Like, how... Does that happen?
0: I'd imagine that the farfetch that they enter Earth on is somewhere underground. Like, the idea that it is completely out of, out of the way, and uh, you could easily assume that even if he knew that there was a farfetch in a building somewhere or in a military base far away, with the way that the world ended, you could easily assume that it's just gone. I mean, and he could just visit it and be like, yeah, there's no way. Maybe he was even there. Maybe he even saw the farfetch and is like, yeah, this thing doesn't work like way back a several hundred years ago.
1: Well, I mean, it has to work because otherwise
0: nothing can come through it. That is the tricky part because how does this technology work? Maybe each gate only goes to one specific gate. Maybe that gate only goes to Domus.
1: I think it could be reconfigured, but I think it's, it's difficult because as we described it, the reason that they were able to open a portal to Domus and then build a stable counterpoint portal mm-hmm. uh, on Domus itself is by virtue of those crystals latching on to other crystals out in the world. Yeah. So let's say they did that a couple times and they got one with a breathable atmosphere. Mm -hmm. That was the trick. They're like, crank it open, stick a probe in, crank it open, stick a probe in. Nope, nope, nope. Logging those numbers though, like the details and all that. Oh, here's one with an uh, an atmosphere, it's harvestable. Now what I I think the best way we can work around this just for our own peace of mind and to validate the choices we're making with the story is based on the other governments and corporations in play during this time and what glampire was branding the crystals as for his own purposes whatever he funded to build this array what was it now we know that the crystals conduct energy and that they can be used as a power source they're very powerful it right. solves, the, solves the energy crisis, crisis solves the energy crisis but there aren't enough of them mm-hmm. for there to be a crystal in every home a crystal in every township or whatever
0: and you wouldn't even necessarily need one Like if you just put a big enough crystal in a power plant a hundred miles away, what's to say you couldn't just power most of the state? I mean, I don't want it to get too overpowered and too crazy, but we can shuffle some of the rules around to say, okay, well, they're powerful enough to do this, 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 and this, and you don't need to have a crystal in every home. You don't need to have a crystal in everything because if like, if you can erase all of the uh, coal power plants or natural gas power plants and just use a crystal and hook hook those cables up to a single crystal.
1: one single crystal will not do it right it'll provide you clean energy for a long time but only a little bit right. so they're not at a scale where they can make enough crystals to make that happen for every right, right. you know for well, every well
0: every city, if, every they, if, if they are growing them synthetically it's a man-made crystal right. it's not naturally grown. you can grow them fast you got to replace them fast
1: right but it, it still is expensive and all so so here's here's my pr- proposal mm-hmm. it's a combination of both you and i's suggestions because my initial suggestion was that they were creating kind of like a wireless energy array, mm-hmm. that they would have a thing in orbit so that it could like wirelessly transfer energy. It's something that they're even working on right now with, believe it or not, collecting solar energy and then sending it back down to Earth as microwaves. I don't know, that doesn't sound safe, but it is a real thing that is being looked at as a viable source for better harnessing solar energy. Hmm. So let's say, okay, so we, what we can do is we can beam energy down to you. All your government corporations and everything, like they can provide what they can provide. This is a temporary solution, but we can provide you with energy everywhere. You have to buy a receiver, plug that receiver into your home. It's an adapter or whatever. So this is Glampire's private corporation doing this. This is what he's selling. It could do that. However, that is not what he's actually built. It is actually like that space gate. He's preparing his own shuttle. He's got everything ready to go.
0: I see what you're getting at, but I think just making it about transportation moving from one planet to another like i mean if that was if that if that technology is made public instead of it being like hiding the ball of like oh well i'm really going to be doing this behind the scenes but here we're doing this but if it's instead is like hey in the span of about 20 years humans have found crystal technology we're growing it ourselves we solve the energy crisis we've even figured out that these crystals grow on other planets and we found out that if you can tune them you can find these other planets and if these crystals grow under the planet that usually means it, it may have an atmosphere because it it needs it to grow yeah yeah then uh, we might be able to go to other planets without having to build spaceships we might be able to go to another planet without having to have warp drive we can go there instantly if we can just open up a gate to another planet and this becomes a realistic possibility and then they start small scale like you have one you know the size of like you know your bedroom wall you just it's big enough to drive a car through or maybe you know maybe maybe a tank you know maybe but it requires a lot of energy and the gate's only open for a short period of time. The smaller the gate is open, the longer it can stay open. It just consumes a lot of energy and once the crystal's dead, it's dead. You gotta go, you have to grow new ones in the lab and it's, it's, it's a time-consuming process and it's, kind of, it's a huge pain in the ass. But it is possible. So if you put enough crystals together, you can move something really big really fast. And if he's trying to get somewhere that's super far away, say Glamrock or whatever the planet is, it's like, well, hey, I don't know if this is going way too far, but maybe he just openly says we've detected another planet and it's, it's actually his own planet. And that's his goal. He wants to find his home planet. And when they finally do, he's like, Oh man, this is so far away. We may never open up a a portal to it because it's so far away and it's so difficult and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, well, why don't we just throw everything we got at it? You know, why don't we just build an array in the sky and just try to send a single ship through. And then once someone goes through on a ship, they can build an array on that planet. So instead of like trying to build a doorway that you just walk through on Domus, and you build a whole colony that way because it's small time, small energy, instead you try and lunge every, you try and throw everything you have at this other planet, and then you'll have a steady gateway. If that's making any sense, I feel like I've lost you. No, you (laughs) you you you
1: haven't. I just I've I've got kind of a tangential concept. Mm -hmm. If the technology to go to other planets is there, if he has achieved discovering, you know where his planet is. Why does he need to send a spaceship there? Why can't he just walk through a Farfetch and get to his planet? Because there's no Farfetch built on that planet. Well, right. But the idea I had was a a possible solution for how humanity might deal with the instability of the end of a portal. Because if that portal sends you out there and there's any kind of fluctuation in that, it can attach to that other frequency again, but it might not even be in the same place. The planet might not even be in the same orbit. If you, got you can dumped-
0: guarantee to come through the same archway every time. Right,
1: right. Yeah. It, but if, if you showed up on the planet, that's fine. That portal will still go to the same planet, but it won't be the same point on the same planet. Mm-hmm. So a way that they could do that, and I'm going to use my hands here, and it's not going to be a good example for people at home, but imagine a Tesseract, the classic- Imagine a Tesseract, okay.
0: The, it's the, like already the, hard
1: the, enough. <laughs> the, the, cla- the classic visual example of a Tesseract as presented the, the, in A Wrinkle in
0: Time. The, the three-dimensional version of a Tesseract. Right.
1: A piece of string held at two ends, and it's a straight line when you hold it taut, and then you fold it together, and the space, the wrinkle- happens in the middle where those two spaces are bridged, okay? Mm -hmm. So imagine, if you will, that the wrinkle is attached. So the two pieces of the string are brought together. The portal is open. At that point in time, the portal is open. The channel you can pass through. The Tesseract is made. Mm -hmm. If the portal that you've created to open this Tesseract in the first place has its counterpoint already built onto it, Mm -hmm. like effectively one portal is two portals, mechanically speaking, Mm -hmm you can push the other portal through. So it's like, you know, open wide the field. The other half of the machine itself goes through. Maybe it's a more rudimentary one they got to like supply crystals to or whatever. Mm -hmm. But so then- And it builds it. Right. So the other half of the portal becomes the ship by which people walk through to whatever land they've gone to. Mm -hmm. So then the string draws taut again. But on the other side, you have a fully formed mechanical portal entry on Mm -hmm. one end. And now- A mechanical portal entry on the other end as well. Mm -hmm. It's the full mechanical version of the tesseract. Otherwise, you're dealing with like wildly unstable transport. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And every time you turn it on, you just they they slam together. You step through the doorway. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It seems like the way it makes the most sense. You know, if we can create come up with a a visual dynamic, should we ever have to show this of like them pushing a new portal through the end to the other opening? And it's difficult because you know, like I assume that. This early crystal technology, it takes an entire room. So Mm -hmm. all kinds of stories to tell about the experiments that led to that one. But imagine, if you will, that the crystal technology exists, it's public. Well, there's no way in hell that once this technology is made public, other companies and governments will not attempt to use it also. Let's say that Glampire, who's leading this charge, he's like, for the first time in centuries excited he's like oh my god we can do it we're gonna do it now i'm gonna like finally get back so he's obsessed Mm -hmm. he's pushing things in directions they shouldn't go he's he's encouraging them to cut corners because he, he doesn't even really understand the repercussions of it he doesn't know just how bad it is and even the people who are telling him hey this is like a little fuzzy he's like well okay that's that's fine we can work with that there's very few real disasters there's nothing staring him in the face saying you really shouldn't do this right but meanwhile, there's other people who have taken his technology and maybe perfected it a bit better. So what, let's say the Domus operation is, let's say their government, and they're mining this resource. They're like, well, okay, so we've, you know, we've made landfall on other planets. We've explored the possibilities there. It's intriguing, fascinating stuff. It's being done bit by bit. Let's drill. Let's get these crystals. It's a good operation. I mean, basically, the crystals are a resource. The, the magnitude of going to another planet and colonize, sort of that's a big thing. Mm-hmm but it's either happening publicly so everyone knows about it, which would seem hard for Glampire to to miss, even just excavating the site to get the resources that were there, even if he deems it a lost cause. He would still take the time and manpower to excavate that site. Mm -hmm.
0: It would have to be a secret. Not a forever secret, but like... Maybe he did excavate it. Yeah. And maybe he did deem it a lost cause. But when the dogs over on Domus have finally evolved... They see a way through, and they're like, hey, I think we can do this. I think there's an answer on the other side. It's not active, but I feel like if we sent, like, they send their version of a robot through. Like, Like, how when we are setting something up, they send their version through to establish a solid communication. And let's say the Diamond Dogs did that. That's why it's easy for the Lightning Dogs to come in. Sure, yeah. So for them, it's as simple as turning on a switch, and then the Lightning Dogs go through. But the Diamond Dogs are the ones, the first team that went through that actually put that shit together. They refurbished the entire thing to make it work. Which goes particularly well if we, we
1: go by the suggestion that we had of the first team was mostly scientists. And of course, the Diamond Dogs, if kidnapped by Glampire, and if Glampire's got this full-blown thrall, he still didn't know where the Farfetch was. It must have been some kind of a battle that didn't end well, that ended with them like all being dumped into whatever like lobotomizing goop. Like, yeah,
0: like he couldn't get it out of them so he turns them into the diamond dogs
1: and he wouldn't have even but they kind of like forced his hand he was like all right enough of this i'll track you back to where you came from and, and it was in the process of doing that until the second team showed up mm-hmm.
0: or maybe even he was maybe when the diamond dogs first showed up you got that interesting situation where they're talking everybody and they're like are you a master are you whatever and he's just like oh yeah like he maybe he actually has a dialogue with them when the diamond dogs first meet uh glampire right but when they realize shit's fucked up and they're trying to leave he's like let them leave i want to see where they go but they're smart enough to not lead him back to the farfetch They're like, we can never go back to the farfetch Because if he even has a hint of where it is, he's going to beat us there. We can't do it. So he eventually captures them, tortures them, tries to figure out where the farfetch is. They tell him to go chase his own
1: tail. Right, but if they're legitimately in the same room with him, how could they resist?
0: I don't know. That's a good question.
1: What I was saying was that like, whatever it is comes to blows so quickly mm-hmm. that there's no going back from
0: it. I mean, they could let spill that they, they came through the farfetch fetch. And at first, Clemper was like, What are you talking about? The Farfetch, what is this? And I'm like, Oh, it's this magical device that it's uh, made of crystals and it allows the planets to connect. And he's like, Go on. And they're just like, Well, we came through one. He's like, You came through one here. And they're like, Yeah. And then maybe one of them's just like, No, we said too much. Oh, shit. And like, like he tries to fight it. And they just got to get away. I mean, we can say there's limits. Maybe the longer you're in his presence, the more susceptible you are. Or maybe if you have a weaker mind, you have less of a, a resistance. I don't know. We could say anything. Maybe you just don't like him, you know. Like it's even though he's like, I, I gotta admit it, the dude's magnetic, but I don't trust him. Or just one of them just has a keen sentence, it doesn't smell right. It smells too good. And we can give it a proximity effect. Even if you're yeah, the you're, closer you are, yeah. right? And even if
1: you're you're seeing him, you're like, wow, okay. And then someone's like, the way I'm feeling right now, good though it feels, is wrong. And yeah. like someone's like walking towards him, he's like, no, like yeah. grabs that person, you know, yeah, yeah, bad dog. Do you feel comfortable with? The implication that uh, the far fetch operation is publicly off the books—the
0: one that goes to Domus—sure, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't want them to say, "We found a planet, I'm, and we're going, and we're bringing dogs." Like that doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, that let, let's say
1: crystals are a way of life. Yeah, whatever. Glampire has an orbit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's public. He, and I, yeah, I, and, it's very
0: public, and I think I think it's public knowledge that we can and have gone to other planets yes yeah. especially if we're saying this is like a golden age for humanity yeah we fucking did it we made we, it we just haven't found the right one yet yeah we haven't found any other life out there so we think but we're gonna keep looking but in the meantime we're getting more crystals which will enable us to connect to other planets further down the line like playing telephone from this planet to this planet we can skip across the universe and wait in record time in a way that we never thought possible it's a golden age and then it all comes crashing down so it's like if things are looking up technology-wise and now, culturally speaking and everyone's, everyone's aware that we've gone to the planets and the world's united and it's wonderful and then kaboom.
1: You mentioned once about the possibility of Glampire trying to bring his army to Earth. Yeah. Which I think is still a bit too extreme. I don't think he's interested in invading Earth. He could have conquered Earth from the beginning.
0: Now, yeah, unless his idea is okay, look, I can't get back to the home planet yet. What I can do is bring my army to Earth, and if I enslave the population, then I can get back to Earth, because then I can focus everybody on building this shit with all the technology that I have. If he had the army that he had back on Glamrock, he could come to this planet and just wipe the floor in no time. He's got no question about that. I think, at least, that would be interesting to me. But, yeah, him bringing an army like Loki is a little bit, you know. But just
1: think about how he's gotten to this point in his life and he isn't already the god of Earth. He could have presented himself as a god. Well, he is killable. Right. We don't know, we don't actually know how yet. But he could have presented himself as a god. Mm-hmm. He chose so, not to. He's so strong. Yeah, he chose not to.
0: Maybe he did way back in the day. And they almost killed him. And he's like, why well, aren't you doing that shit again? Like, when he first landed, I don't know if, if the people should be here or, or not. But maybe when he first landed, if he landed in uh, ancient Greece or whatever... He's going to come off like some sort of god or demigod. And maybe people do worship him. But then it turns into the man who would be king. And then it's just like they suddenly realize he's not a god. He's something else. He's a monster. We got to kill him. And they almost do. And he's like, shit, I got to be careful. Because they almost killed me with sticks and swords. I mean, what is his weakness? Maybe just that he is killable. I mean, he's ageless, but he's not immortal. He's super strong. He's super tough, dense. Like Angela, you could say, but you can hurt him. It takes a lot, but you can hurt him.
1: I find it hard to imagine that anybody with his power set of being able to
0: sustain himself via absorption. They just turned against him. People could just turn against him. If he, if he tried, I, I'm not against any of him trying to make himself what about godlike his, what about or like king. What about his thrall? They may perish. That's the one thing about humans that he probably doesn't understand. He can control a group of people around him, but the people who are far away, who see their loved ones fleeing to this guy, And they're seeing the power that he's amassing. They're like, this is fucked up. Like, this is not right. We got to take a stand against this guy. We got to fight this guy. And look at all the people that he has working for him. And he doesn't give them anything. Like, they're starving to death. He's mistreating these people, and they love him. This is the devil. This is something evil is at work here. And we have to stop him. And he can't win over everybody all the time. Because, like, when he has a, a high profile like this, all it does is draw attention to himself. And since his area of effect is only so big... Once someone has it set against you, that they don't like you and they, they're coming to knock down your door, like kill the beast. It's too late. You can't win them over in that short amount of time. And he may, you know, maybe there's an amazing battle sequence that we'll never see in film because it'd be too dark. It would just be where people start coming in and they're just hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. And, hitting him, and he's grabbing this guy. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And it's just not enough. They just overwhelm him. They, they put him in chains. They try and throw him in, into the bottom of the sea because they don't know how to kill him, but he escapes just barely, yeah. Okay. Washes away somewhere else, and then he's like, "I can't do that shit again." Sounds because,
1: epic enough. I'll buy it.
0: I mean, I'm, I'm, again, he could, he could fucking rule uh, uh, the he he makes the Tower of Babel. I don't know. Like he does something great, grand, and amazing that we don't know.
1: The pyramids are shaped like the top of a crystal.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there, were, there, there the pyramid had a crystal at the top. Eventually, at one point, it's capped on, and, that, and that's way too much into Stargate territory. But um, <laughs> in real world history. There's civilizations that have risen and fallen that we don't know about. And we, we, we're only just now finding out about it. Yeah. Now imagine Glampire. I mean, the possibilities there are, are, are crazy, especially for someone who has that much sway over, over people. But if he doesn't take care of them, they're going to turn against him. Why do people follow Glampire in the Lightning Dog's age? He's the only person who can provide. I mean, if I mean, you're talking he, about the freaks, he, he's, he's smart.
1: The... He's clever. He's got things locked down. I mean, like why do people a, follow a, a, uh, a, a Mordan Joe in uh, Fury Road? Well, not all of them do. Like right. Furiosa. Like, I would say we sh- we want you to show. Well, a, I'm, a coup. I'm saying
0: not everybody not everybody follows Glampire either. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, but we might need to, we might need to show that. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I've always imagined there's other gangs out there. Like there's other tribes out there. While Glampire is a. Uh, uh, King of shit Mountain. Right. And, but, but uh, <laughs> he,
1: he must he must provide for his people in some way. Otherwise, he wouldn't be this big, big,
0: big guy. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he provides for them in some way. Like look at uh, Waterworld. The way uh Dennis Hopper provided for those people. Yeah, it was shitty. But it's better than sitting in a raft in the middle of Waterworld. Yeah. So there's there's Good. plenty of room to play with there. Yeah. That's that's the that's the area that's still familiar and uh expected. Like you can, you know, it's not like wait a minute, why are they following that guy? I mean that's because he gives them food and he gives them a purpose. Maybe he stopped civil wars that were happening with these. I mean,
1: do do you think that based on his longevity and his presence, did he shape this society as it's building itself up out of the muck? I mean, he definitely has because based on the, the simple like landmass that he occupies and so on, but is this him in some ways taking responsibility for not having made more of his power? In some ways, like in the past, when he attempted to take power, he let humanity take that power from him. And he said, okay, I'll only hide in the shadows. So now he's he's out from the shadows. He's not masquerading as something he's not. He is truly himself for the first time ever. And is he the shepherd of this mutant flock?
0: Is he I would say so.
1: responsible for these people?
0: I don't think he cares for them as much. No, I don't mean
1: cares for them, but is, is he responsible for... Them having structure enough to like. I would say yes. Yeah, yeah. I would.
0: I would say yes. Otherwise, why do they need him? Why follow well, him? It's like
1: how long has he been doing this? How many generations? Since the fall of man. How many? Yeah. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, how many generations of peopleoids have worshipped glampire or have served glampire? A lot.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. It's embedded in them. It's bred into them now. We're like, oh, he's, he's Glampire. We do everything he says. We love him. Cause I mean, if you're from cradle to grave, you're in his presence. You fucking love that guy. I would love to see a Glampire shrine. In in, in in a and hut what, somewhere, and lighting candles. These little pe- the peopleoids are lighting candles and
1: just like and, and <laughs> someone's got like it's like a CD of like a Glampire CD and like they can't play it. Like they don't even know what like, it is. It's a shiny thing. It's a shiny, it's 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 a a shiny sh- object. It's a shiny it's disc, a, yeah. but it's got this jewel case and it's got a picture of Glampire in it. And like and they stand and, it up and, with and it, kids they like, open it. Yeah, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know when we want to drop that bomb, but I would love to see the weird Santeria shrine to Glampire
0: right. They say there's an image of Glampire that's appeared in this village, and the lightnings. We gotta go fucking check it out. And it's just like a tree. And it's like you see, he's in the bark there. As you can see, it, it's it's he's there in the tree. And they're like, all right, uh, we gotta get out of here. You know he's a real guy. He's yeah. down the, down the road. Well, I mean, but I mean, like they they worship him. You know, it's like they 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 think they this 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 little village has been touched by the will of Glampire.
1: Like common people see him like as not necessarily an outright God, but like a saint among the living or something yeah. like that, like an empowered individual. Others see that he provides for some, but not for others. It depends on like... Dep-
0: Another Dennis Hopper movie, Apocalypse Now, with uh-huh, Marlon Brando uh-huh, uh-huh. over those people. Yeah. You know, just completely, what am I going to say about a man? That he's a great man? He's a wise man? Bullshit, man. It's just like these people who totally love him and they worship him, but not like as a oh, literal God. God.
1: Yes. Yes, Apocalypse Now yeah. is just what we need. We yeah. we just need to just siphon some blood from that film and Im- imbibe it right in
0: the Lightning Dogs. Going out to space, we're going to land landing on the moon. You can land on a one or a zero, man. Fuck that, man. Just like, it's <laughs> like like a, numbers and shit. Like like the people who you don't even know why you're excited about him, but you just are kind of like how we are in a weird way. He's kind of having that effect on us in terms of uh, <laughs> this fascination. What, it's like if someone came in here. It's like, Oh man, I heard you guys talk about Glampire and you really seem to love him. What can you tell me about Glampire? Uh, He's, uh, he's cool and he's got a presence, man. I can't explain it. You know, it's just, that's, it's, it's interesting how that's uh, art imitating real life. We've all agreed a lot on uh, what he does, how he acts, how he is but all of us have had very different ideas on how what is visual design ultimately would take i've seen pictures that tony did i saw pictures that you did and i'm just like i'm yeah I, I didn't think of that you know it, it, it's all been very different and in my head it's hard for me to explain basically it's, it's mostly been jareth the goblin king i gotta say but i just had a different view a little a little more
1: glam rock my glampire has always been 70s era bowie mm-hmm. like I love Jareth, but Jareth is an extreme mm-hmm. that we don't need to indulge.
0: I I would argue otherwise, but but I'm but I'm hearing you out. I, I don't again. I don't. I hate to keep going back to Bowie. That it has to be what version of Bowie does speaks best about Glampire? Well, I mean, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't have to be any of it. But them. specifically, like
1: the glam rock era, like Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, kind mm. of with the. Intense costumes meant to evoke a man from outer space, mm. but in a weird glam rock jumpsuit kind of way.
0: Overall, my vision of him was less man who fell to earth space traveler and a little more gothic... Uh, I see, I uh, see. Uh, 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 poofy-sleeved, tight black pants. Like a medieval... V- a vampire. A little uh, closer. Straight up vampire. N- not, yeah, not not ripping it directly from Castlevania or some shit, but but definitely... A step closer. Alucard to, is what you. That's what Step you want. closer to Alucard and a step away from Ziggy Stardust. Although I like that version of you know the jumpsuit and the face painting and the, all that stuff. Like that's fun. We can definitely have that. But on the whole, on the the average, I always pictured it being a little more flowing robe, a little more flowy cape, regal. I never pictured something that you would see off the runway in Milan. Uh-huh. Like it was, it was uh, something that would be maybe out there and strange but definitely historical whether it's alien historical or not a little bit more queen amidala you know something that doesn't look like that's an extreme it is but, but what i mean by that is not literally taking queen amidala and just putting like that stuff on there but something that looks like it's not making a fashion statement per se, and it's not art. He's not like, I never pictured him wearing artwork as much as he was wearing things that he thought was really fancy. Maybe it had a historical significance for the plant that he comes from. Right
1: No, I, I see what I see what you're saying, and I, and I actually agree. It's ornate, but not um needless. Right. It's not without s- purpose.: It's not so designy that it seems like why would he be troubling himself to have had someone make? Right. Because like,
0: everything he wears, someone has to make. That's the thing. If you're in the wasteland, there's not a lot of resources. So for him to have like latex pants and like uh, a leather jacket.
1: Which thing is, maybe Gothic isn't the right one either, but perhaps a medieval level of ornate, a kind of yeah, complexity that's. Yeah. that's um, Or like
0: feudal Japan a little bit, where it's like you have long, right. flowing which, robes which, of gold. Which and Bowie stuff. is all about yes. uh, as well.
1: So that's a good fit. But I suppose using high fashion clothing techniques. From an earlier time yes. to make something modern and strange looking. Uh, yes, because,
0: especially because you're in a wasteland. You don't have, you know, designer clothes. You know, very... He also needs to
1: look interesting standing next to both Nagel and also, you know, Halloween Jack and and Cap'n Scrap and all that. Like, the way he looks has to evoke power and then also to feel like when someone's looking at it on screen, like it's unified, like it's part of the same Yeah, I want, I
0: want you to take him seriously the outfits can be outlandish, strange, exotic, colorful, all of that, but I don't want you to laugh at him. If you're like, what the fuck is he wearing now? Then it, it kind of deflates him a little bit. But if you're like, oh, he's extravagant, and he's wearing this, but it, it still exudes a sense of power.
1: Right. And if he's, if he's got something that has that robey, flowy, capey kind of quality that you're talking about it's got to be something that he can throw off like he can toss oh, the yeah. cape aside to kick some ass like yeah. and, then, and then like be like lean and fast and dangerous yeah or <laughs> uh, conversely he could also slip into some kind of gaudy but practical samurai armor and you know cut you to shreds or whatever he's yeah. strong I'm, enough to still be fast and that I'm, kind of thing i'm too. picturing
0: more buttons buckles and belts and less of zippers i'm not 100 percent against zippers i'm just saying right. that's a little hard to do especially in the wasteland
1: i mean but then we got you know there's for example the greaser uh rockabilly stylings of uh, halloween jack mm-hmm. which is zipper oriented mm-hmm. you know like i mean we could we could say well but you can
0: find that in the fucking garbage you know what i mean sure. like that's that's fine but when you're when you're uh king of the wasteland you're not you're not going to get hand-me-downs and whenever he's wearing something like a little trimmed down like a like a jumpsuit per se it can be colorful But it's always slightly militaristic. I dare I say, Michael Jackson influence. You know, when we were talking about it being
1: constructed from things, I was thinking also Michael Jackson because, like, his designers did such a great job of evoking a kind of Baroque element Mm -hmm. to his, especially his 90s wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Like, one time he had a, uh, what looks sort of like a a military jacket from a bygone era Mm -hmm. where there were forks and knives dangling where medals would have been. Like, it's kind of like. I mean, it looked great. Yeah. Like, it looked like it made sense, and only when you see a close-up of it, you're like, that's silverware. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. I don't think Glampire's
0: gonna, like, be like, yeah, adorn me in an attractive job. No, yeah, of course not. That's something Halloween Jack might do, where he's like, listen to me, I'm the general here, and I got, it's like, that's a fork.
1: It's (laughs) like, (laughs) instead of fringe on my jacket, I got cutlery.
0: (laughs) Like, Like, that's a spork, sir. (laughs) That's like, that is not a Medal of Valor. Between Jackson and Bowie, uh, I think we got got a Glampire uh, sensibility. Yeah. And it's weird to say Michael Jackson because you, th- you think some of the most iconic things he's worn has been zippers and buckles. But, I mean,
1: he and Bowie have kind of competing wardrobes as far yeah. as, like...
0: Maybe a, little Prince a, in there, too.
1: Variance, eccentricity. Yeah, Prince actually, early, mid-80s era Prince, goes hand-in-hand hand with a lot of the stuff you were describing. I mean, because he was intentionally going for that, like, oh, yeah, over-ornate yeah, 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 yeah. Baroque stuff. Yeah. Maybe a little Elton John? No. 70s era? Elton John has never... Too much? Ever. Is that too over-the-top? Yeah, no. I mean, like, he's always taking it too far. That is part of the show, though.
0: Yeah considering i don't mean our show i mean his show elton right john's yeah show. yeah there's glenn well, i didn't say liberace in. i said elton john well, Liber- like... liberace <laughs> is more
1: believable elton john still went too far yeah
0: with the train running behind him as, as long as the entire stage going up to well, his piano not
1: that part but i mean like you know <laughs> the jackets and stuff i All mean right. like you know the basic elements of liberace's wardrobe makes more sense than a lot of the things that are representative of elton john's wardrobe though he did have to have some nice suits from time to mm-hmm. time but you know like uh elton john's like got a lot he wore big goofy hats and glasses B- big goofy yeah. hats big goofy jackets yeah. big goofy shoes sometimes like yeah. i love him no but... I, I see what you're saying it, it was
0: more of a gimmick than the eccentricity of it like it wasn't like look at me i'm being fashionable it, it was, was like
1: like elton john's crazy outfits were kind of like a party
0: guy yeah thing. yeah he is the carrot top of the oh 70s God. and 80s uh... that, that's,
1: that's maybe not a good comparison <laughs>
0: well i wasn't trying i was trying to say it's he goes too much as comedic he did it for comedic purposes it was it was poking fun at that stuff Probably poking fun at Liberace, to be honest. If he's another great piano player at the time, a great singer, and then it's like he's coming onto the scene and he's it, doing maybe this. Maybe that's a context I hadn't considered. We're in a good
1: place to, to really hammer home design for Glampire, but Glampire's one of those characters that, like, you know, the Lightning Dogs, they had a couple designs and we we trimmed them up, and they, but we ultimately, like, they came to the world fully formed. We've always had a good idea of what they look like. Glam- it, was,
0: it was boiled down to the simple fun adventure it, it happened very naturally.
1: I'm still really attached to the Eldon Terrell-looking uh, version of Kane Corso, and I'll keep fighting for it, but we'll see what happens. But with Glampire, I expect that he's going to be one of those characters, and deservingly so, that we're going to need to design a million versions of, because I want to see versions of Glampire that we haven't
0: anticipated. Let's look what we got. We definitely have more interesting avenues of Glampire's history that we didn't have before. Nothing that we know for a fact, like, did he ever really come to a rise of power and have people overthrow him? I don't know, but that's an interesting story, and I like it, and I think it fits, and it makes sense why he makes the decisions he makes. He definitely has control over the freak population. He's the one who, out of the ashes, they they under his banner, he will lead them to civilization. You know, he will give them a purpose instead of just being freaks eating each other every day. Definitely got some powers listed down, making yeah. a threat, especially in one-on-one. I, mean, I think, I think we a, have the, the definitive Glampire power set. I hope this wasn't too much for the dear listener to endure. I mean, you kidding? We, this, is a really, this is a really good one. Yeah, yeah. We didn't, went pretty deep. Pretty pretty deep in terms of Glampire, yeah. which I, I've been waiting to do. I've been waiting to dig I, into some Glampire. I, mean, I, I did not expect
1: this to happen. Yeah, so yeah.
0: I figured it would be a, a, a little lighter conversation starting about the you know the far fetched technology and crystals no. and and nope. the story bibles, but it went into Glampire, which is great. So good. Um, yep. I'm glad we got that done. Doug, what I'm feeling is we just need to write, which is tough because yeah. you and
1: I both need to say, all right, I'm going to do this today no matter what. Because there's no doubt a million other things that could come in front of it, but whether it's to fill in the backstory of a character we, you know, we know about, just to put it on the page, to, to take all those little bullet-pointed details and compress them into a narrative, the mm-hmm. likes of which we've, we've seen in so many summaries in these story bibles, or to come up with something new, to follow a thought until it turns into something fully fleshed out. And then you can go to you or me, and mm-hmm. be like Cap or Tony. Or local shop, or anybody else working on the art staff. Like, I've got this crazy idea. Here's the words. Give me some designs.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if I've learned anything from Lightning Dogs, legitimately, it's that uh, there's no doubt. I mean, this seems obvious, but art inspires art. I mean, from us talking about it to people drawing their own pictures on the forums to one sentence joke, Tony goes off and makes like four drawings. It's pretty cool how it can spread like that. But as of late, it's been sort of like, okay, there are so many directions to go in. We sort of, Or like, all right, well, what's next? Like, what's on the horizon? Like, back when it first started, it was cutting edge. I mean, you go back to listen to that first episode. These ideas are just like firecrackers, just sprouting off all in all these different directions. And now we're so far along. It's like, okay, we have this whole world laid out in front of us. Which direction are we going to go in? And it's it's easy to feel a little overwhelmed sometimes. But I guess I, I think you're right. I think it just comes down to us just being like, well... Fuck okay, it. We got to get back down to it. If it means we just got to start writing stuff, let's just start writing stuff and see what that inspires. Because it's going to be a domino effect once, yeah. once we get back into it full force. I mean, there's always progress that's made. I mean, every time we sit down and talk lightning dogs, I always walk away feeling like, yes, we've made some progress. Yeah. And I'm I happy with the progress that it's we've wonderful. made. We're just not doing it enough. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. It's just, it's just not frequent enough. At least not frequent enough to make any real dent in the in this crazy task that lies before us but because we're we're serious about it i mean the raw potential is insane yeah no we we can't we can't let this go by the wayside this is important we're fans of the property too you know it's like we want to see it happen just as much as everyone else yeah we're gonna gonna fight for it it's gonna happen creating lightning dogs in our spare time has been a real challenge between day jobs and all our duties keeping the nerdy show network up and running there's never enough hours in the day But around this time, as the struggles of meeting up on a regular basis were really manifesting, we made some difficult life changes to begin the process of shaping our lives around Lightning Dogs. We changed the format of Nerdy Show, our flagship podcast, so that there was less work for Cap to do to keep it running. And as far as myself, I went to my job less. And that meant getting paid less. I couldn't manage it for too long, but it gave me a little extra precious time to invest in Lightning Dogs. A year and a half later, and the challenges are far from over but we're constantly adjusting our lives to make sure that the fire for Lightning Dogs never dies down, and the project continues full speed ahead. As Cap has said, we're fighting for it, and we won't stop fighting until this dream is a reality. But you can join us in this fight. Head to patreon.com slash lightningdogs and join the pack. We'll give you a shout out here on the show, offer a bunch of other perks like early episode releases and behind the scenes content. With your help, we're raising funds to continue to pay awesome concept artists, fun Greg Wiseman consulting our pitch bible, and if we really band together, I'll be able to quit my day job and devote myself full-time to Lightning Dogs. If a dollar a month is still too much, then do the free thing. Rate and review us on iTunes. That's one of the best ways for Lightning Dogs to get discovered, but only if our ratings drastically increase in number. It's easy to do, and if you have any questions about how to do it, just head over to nerdyshow.com slash spreadtheword, and we've got all the info you'll need. Now, in this episode, we covered a lot of ground for Glampire, and there's still more to come including next episode, where Tony weighs down on everything we've discussed here. Visually speaking, though, we are all over the place. But as you know, all of our core character designs are done. So if you want to see how Glampire ended up, you can skip ahead and see the final designs on this episode's page. We've only got one costume so far out of the many that we'll need, but we've got his look locked down. That design, along with all of his pre-evolutions, will be posted up in our Art gallery. If you dig what we do, don't be a stranger. Reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, the Nerdy Show forums, or wherever you hang out on the internet. We'll see you in two weeks with an all-new episode of Lightning Dogs, the official
2: podcast. Hooray!